Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life. We're so excited that you decided to join us here and learn a little bit more about being self-sufficient. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about using all kinds of different tools to improve immunity and also talk about eliminating some things that might be holding you back from living your healthiest life. We hope you enjoy this information and can't wait to connect with you. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Friends, it's me, Lacey. I'm here with Drew. Today we are going to talk a little bit about gut health and how it impacts our overall immune system and some tips and tricks of things that you can do to make it function at its peak so that you don't have to worry so much about whether or not you're going to be exposed or sick or anything along those lines. Yeah, so I think for me, one of the most important things with gut health is obviously probiotic when I think of gut health and enzymes. I think first we have to talk about what is infringing on our gut health because there's so many oh, things working point. against yeah. us that we may not even realize and maybe some things that we can avoid or change just a little bit to improve our gut health without even adding any. So first and foremost, I think one of the things that people don't realize is that the things that we eat get into our gut and sometimes they come along with toxins and chemicals and particularly pesticides and herbicides, which really kill off the gut bacteria very quickly. So one of my first suggestions would be to kind of analyze the fruits and veggies that you're eating raw and make sure that they're not coming in with loaded down pesticides and herbicides, namely Roundup, Roundup type herbicides. Those things can have a real negative effect on the health of our microbiome. Yeah, I mean, we just we were watching that movie Kiss the Ground and they were talking about that a lot in there. Which, I mean, we already knew that, but just hearing it again, that the Roundup, the glyphosate in the water even, sometimes you can't even avoid it. It's mm. just in things in the air almost at this point. So mm. that's that's a super good point. The other thing I think of is antibiotics. For sure. So, yeah. you know, it kind of dawned on me a while ago, but, you know, antibiotic is actually something that is killing the biotics in your mm. body. And um, yeah, it doesn't pick and choose. I think a lot of times we have an infection and we think it just goes in and it kills the bacterial guys around the infection that we're dealing with and trying to kill off. But the truth is it actually will kill all kinds of different live cultures in our body. And that that throws off the balance. Right. Yeah. And I kind of think of it as almost like a nuclear bomb now of bacteria or of killing the bacteria in our body. So I don't know, Lacey, what else about gut health then? I think some other things to think about that are simpler are cleaning products. A lot of the things that we smell, we breathe in on a regular basis. It may be unavoidable, but often we can kind of alter and change what we're cleaning with and what we're exposed to on a regular basis. But, you know, you walk into a public restroom and you smell that clean, fresh air, fresh, fresh, whatever that is. Smell. That smell that burns the back <laughs> that, of your throat. That smell that makes, yeah. That is going to kill the stuff inside of you, just like it's killing the germs in the air. So you got to be really careful. And I think sometimes just being aware will help us make better choices. Yeah, for sure. I think that's it as far as I can think of. I mean, the, they're all those synthetic smells. So not yeah. just that, but I laundry mean, softener, the laundry softener, the dishwasher soap. Mm -hmm. 
all of those. Yeah, I think it's not common knowledge that actually the worst chemical that most people are exposed to is the either the water coming out of your shower faucet right in your face, super hot and gets into your lungs really quickly. And, you know, there's all kinds of chemicals in the city water. So getting an, a filter, a water filter on your shower faucet can be a huge step in the right direction. Um, but that's just the cleaners that you use in your own home. What kind of cleaners are you using? Because bleach is known for killing, right? You feel lightheaded after you've cleaned with bleach and that's for a reason. That also is going to play a direct role on the health of your microbiome. And it's something that you can avoid and find alternatives for that clean just as efficiently and actually better and are good for you. Yeah. So that's all the external things. Then the internal which is where I wanted to go, was <laughs> probiotics and enzymes. Mm. So we've learned a lot about that over our years of natural medicine. And I think the probiotics, the biggest thing that we found out is like you have the ones that have to be refrigerated or you have what's the other kind, like the shelf stable ones. I'm trying to think of other kinds of... Well, often are, they talk about taking eating yogurt and those kinds right, of things, which yeah. are for sure a good idea. It can be really difficult though to consume the quantity that you need to really replenish what's lost. So finding a source and taking a supplement on a regular basis of not only a diversity, but of high quantity and quality of probiotic is super, super important. And then how it's delivered. That's, mm. that's been the coolest thing I feel like we've learned um, with the company that we work with, doTERRA, their probiotic actually like releases in your intestines, which a lot of pro probiotics I kind of think of as like en entering the atmosphere. They burn up, you know, in your stomach or in the stomach acids or die even in your mouth. So mm. them making it to your intestines is very important for getting your money's worth out of a probiotic. Before I learned about our delivery system, I really did think that the cold probiotics, the ones in the refrigerator section were the way to go. But there's so many kind of loopholes there. First of all, you know, you don't know if it's been refrigerated on the way to the store. That that transit period is real important if, if you need a refrigerated probiotic. And the second thing is, if it needs to be refrigerated to survive, as soon as you put it into your, your mouth, you've already heated it up. And I don't know that it would survive through your stomach to get all the way to your intestine and really do what it needs to do. So that is for sure getting a good probiotic that you can take that's in a delivery system that will get it all the way to your lower intestine could be a have a really powerful impact on your overall immune, uh, immune system. Another thing to think about adding to your diet or your regular routine would be all kinds of fermented goods, whatnots from kombucha, to kimchi, to sauerkraut, all of these things are not only high in probiotics that are good for our systems and traditional foods. They're foods that our ancestors ate a lot of because it was a really smart way to preserve their produce without refrigeration and, and that kind of thing. So these are things that our bodies are sort of acclimated to already. And only in the last 50 to 100 years have we stopped eating as many of those things as we used to. And they're also super high in vitamin C and vitamin D and things that are super, super absorbed through these different sort of foods. So adding those to your diet is a really easy way to kind of boost everything and, and keep you feeling your best. And I think people are intimidated by like fermenting foods. You know, I know growing up, like there was this worry of like botulism or, mm. you know, all these other things, which I mean, there's always a rare chance of that. But the reality is like most of the molds on a ferment, you can scrape them off if they do mold. And um, eat. <laughs> and, and eat or put in the compost, you right. know. But there's so much benefit to it. I just encourage you, don't be scared of it. Mm. Just if you're in our group, The Schoolhouse Life with Lacey and Drew on Facebook, we talk a lot about ferments and, you know, don't hesitate to ask questions in there. We've done a lot about how to ferment and how simple it is. So I, I encourage everybody to be fermenting something, 
if you look at our counter right now, we have what, like six jugs of various fermenting things going on. You know, it's, there's always something fermenting. We're very counterculture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that really leads into nutrition pretty easily. So obviously fermented foods should be a part of your diet and doing that more and getting, getting familiar with fermented foods that you really like to eat can be important. But nutrition involves so much more than that. And eating a well-rounded diet, diversity in our foods. I heard it said recently that the average human eats about 150 different things total. Like that's it. And we used to eat thousands of different things diversity wise because we would go out and know how to harvest the things that are around us. But now we're buying things that are fruits and veggies that are shelf stable. There's lots of fruits and veggies out there that are grown wild that we can't buy in a grocery store, herbs and, and wild crafted foods. And so just kind of getting more familiar with those things can play a huge role in our overall health. Now, if that's not something you can go out and like forage for your dinner, that's totally fine. I don't often do that. But finding a way to add and increase the diversity in your diet is really important and something that often you can do with a supplement. If you can find a good whole foods based supplement that has a lot of that diversity in it. So for example, the supplements we take, I know they have things like alfalfa and dandelion and skullcap and all of these things in there that are really, really dynamic foods full of nutrition that we wouldn't get elsewhere. And they're conveniently packaged in some capsules that we take on a daily basis. I think also kind of hitting on eating seasonally, you know, that you can't really eat an entire meal, but like we've kind of made our homestead where, you know, from spring until I'd say about now, everything's about finished, but you got some beans coming in, you know, we could go out and pick a handful of fruits or veggies every day and eat it. And that's something you can do, you know, on a smaller space, even in a backyard, being able to get some kind of like ripe fruits that you pick right off of a tree. There's enzymes in there that you just can't get anywhere else. They actually, you know, die within 30 minutes to an hour. So those kind of to me, there's got to be some health in that. Got to be a different layer that we just don't even quite understand yet. Mm. Oh, but, yeah, and the nutritional. I mean, yeah. even like persimmons right now are growing. Um, and somebody was telling me that there's some locals selling like persimmon pulp. So even if you're not growing it, you could buy it and eat it. Now, I know most people with that pulp turn it into persimmon pudding, which is probably there's that all the nutritional value goes away then probably. But still, uh, it's... Worth looking into some things that are growing seasonally and going and finding them. I'm trying to think, we have like uh, hickory nuts that we're going to try eating this year. Mm, acorns. acorns. We're going to try making acorn flour. I'm still very skeptical of the acorn flour, but we'll see. <laughs> Everything is a big learning experiment. I think it's just one of those things where just keep pushing yourself a little bit day by day. You don't have to start with acorn flour. Start with something else. Go to your local, you know, food market, whether it's a, um, you know, farmer's market or a grocery store that sells more local things and find things that were grown close to you nearby. And moving on, some other really great options include local honey. Elderberry syrup is another really great source of vitamin C and, and things that are just really high quality and connecting with people who make those things can be really powerful. And it's not only good for, for you on a nutritional level, but just in a community level building that community and working with and eating foods that were grown or made by people who are, you know, sort of fortifying you in a whole different way is, is a really great way to build your community and your immune system at the same time. For sure. And I think the last one that's not on our list, but it should be, is uh, managing your stress. Mm. So that is huge in, you know, giving your immune system enough room to heal and not be almost at, you know, maxed out levels. So 
finding ways to meditate, exercise, just having a calm minute or two a day, I think is really important for just overall immune health. I think right now with all the things going on and the threats that we're feeling and the election season and everything, it can feel like we're really in a state of chaos and, and have zero control. And really all that we can control is our daily routine and rhythm and what we do with it and how we sort of incorporate the things that are important to us into our lives, even in the midst of all of that. And I think that that's one of the main things that help keep a sense of calm is kind of controlling a the inputs, maybe trying to cut back on social media time, trying to cut back on news time, it can be really overwhelming in our bodies if we're constantly trying to process information that we really have no control over, we'll never feel a sense of security. And I definitely encourage you to cut back on that and also find ways like Drew was talking about to really feel connected with your family, with your community and and just in your own choices and knowing that you know, maybe sleeping is a really important element that we tend to put off and tends to suffer as soon as we get stressed. So some of the tools that I love sharing pe with people actually can help a great deal in kind of triggering our mind to relax and release some of the things that we're holding on to. And that, of course, is oils and herbs. So it could be just using a little lavender before bed to help shut off those thoughts that are kind of pervasive and keep us from getting to sleep to using other herbs and oils that are a little stronger that will actually help you stay and sustain a healthy cycle of sleep. Like cedarwood is a really good example or vetiver. These are two oils that are known for helping to increase the production of melatonin in our bodies. And giving our body the opportunity to do the thing that it's supposed to do is really, really powerful and will help your body to kind of create a new pattern and rhythm. And so sometimes using the oils is really just a matter of interrupting a process that's not doing, it's not serving you. So what patterns can you interrupt and then match up an oil that you can use at the time that that pattern is starting and that you recognize it and, and interrupt it. And sometimes it's just about picking the one that you like. Maybe it's peppermint. You can't, you can't smell peppermint and not notice it. So it could be a really great way to just start a new pattern and, and stop going on an old cycle of stress and anxiety. Or I also think another important one is take your shoes off and go stand on the ground mm. for a few minutes outside. That just being disconnected from the earth and then getting reconnected is really powerful. And I think that's about it for what we should talk about today. What do you think, Lisa? Well, I actually forgot to mention our most favorite immune boosting oil blend. Okay. On guard. <laughs> I figured that's what you're going to say. <laughs> so, I mean, at this time of year, no matter what's going on in the world, we start doubling down on these little things that we can do to boost our immune system and just give ourselves the, as much support as we possibly can. Elderberry syrup is an example. Honey, vitamin C, these things we, we start increasing at this time of year. We try to spend more time out in the sun if we can because it's sort of now we're moving out of the summer months and we want to, we want to be a little bit more intentional about that. And then also we can use oils like on guard on a regular basis, just making them a part of our daily routine in a way that gives our body that, uh, that immune boosting benefit smells good, kills germs in the air and on surfaces. And, and it's just a good habit to get into a healthful habit. And what I love about using oils and herbs is it's a really great way to access the benefits of plants that we might otherwise just not 
access at all. And that again helps us with that diversity that we really want to we really want to incorporate into our rhythms and our routines. The more we can mix it up in terms of what we expose ourselves to when it comes to the plant world, the healthier that we'll be. So everyone, leaving on that note, please connect with us. Uh, if you're not in the group already, join us there. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and sh- maybe even leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. And then share anything that you've learned or even the whole podcast and tag us on Instagram. We would love to connect with you and build community there as well. All right. Bye, everybody.